0: your Bible every time that you read the word restore and every time you read that it came to pass. We've done this series of messages on the life and ministry of Elisha under the umbrella of the thought that there was a nation that had forgotten God and a man who reminded them. Well, what Israel needed so much was to be restored to the Lord to the God of the covenant, to the God of their fathers. And that's what we know that our land needs so much in our day. It didn't just happen by chance that the pilgrims came across on the Mayflower and landed at Plymouth Rock and were so instrumental in guiding, being the spiritual light and guide for this nation. It just didn't happen by luck that 50 of the 55 framers of our Constitution were strong, devout, evangelical men and wove into the fabric of our government and our founding documents, the belief in the God of the Bible and of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the dignity and equality of men created in the image of God. That wasn't luck. It didn't just happen. It came to pass. And we need to be restored to those things. And I'm glad to be able to preach to you and to declare unto you for your life and for mine and for our nation, a God of restoration. It's very interesting to me in this story, in this narrative about the Shunammite woman again. Remember, we've met her before in the life of Elisha. How that, that she loved the man of God so much. She said, let's make him a little room. And and they made a place for him. And then when her, he asked her, how can I pay you back? Can I do anything for you and this woman was a really content woman, and I think a highly blessed woman. She said, "You can't do anything for me. I have everything that i need i I dwell among my own people i'm you know I'm happy hunky dory as we say, but she didn't have any children, and so God blessed her to have a son, and all you know that that son had grown up and The son uh, had something wrong with his head. He died. And she came to Elisha. And Elisha came. And that son was restored to life. Amazing. Powerful miracle uh, of of restoration from death to life. What a God of restoration. Even the dead to life. Again, just ask Lazarus uh, if God can do that. We know that He can. But here in our story, what a difference in her life. At, at that time, she said, I don't need anything. I, I, you know, Elisha said, you want me to ask something for you from the king? Or, she said, no. But now she's lost everything. Now she's in a whole different position by the providence of God. And she needs help uh, from the king. And it's just an amazing miracle of God's providence how that it came to pass. And I want you to think about your life and my life, the things we've even talked about today and how God is working all things together after the counsel of His own will. How He's working all things together for good to them that love God and the called according to His purpose. Beloved, God moves in mysterious ways. Yes. But hallelujah, He moves. He moves. It's all for His glory. And for our blessing and, and good. So join with me here in this story. And, and highlight these things that we've talked about. the Restoration and it came to pass. This is the 16th miracle in the ministry of Elisha. Then spake Elisha unto the woman. Whose son he had restored to life. Saying arise and go thou in thine household. And sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose, and did after the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household, and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass, at the seven years' end, that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines, and she went forth to cry to the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha hath done. And it came to pass, as he was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that behold the woman whose son he had restored to life, cried to the king for her house and for her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son, whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, So the king appointed unto her a certain officer, saying, Restore all that was hers, and all the fruits of the field since the day that she left the land, even unto now. Hallelujah. We serve and believe in a God of restoration. A God that is able to bring things to pass. Did you know that the expression, it came to pass, occurs 484 times in the Word of God? I think that the Holy Spirit is trying to really direct our attention And cause us to realize that God's providence rules over the events and times of all of our lives. And truly history is His story. It came to pass. Well, one thing that we see, the first point that I want us to consider this morning. One thing that is always going to come to pass is that God... Will always judge sin. I know that's a that's an awesome thought. That's really a sobering thought. God is always going to judge sin. Do you know why? He hates sin. Can I get an amen? amen? God hates sin. And His holiness, because God wasn't a light that no man can approach unto. He is a thrice holy God. Holy. Holy, holy. God can't even stand to look upon sin. God hates sin. And His holiness demands justice for sin. For sin is any transgression against the law of God. God hates sin. He hates my sin. He hates your sin. And His justice and His holiness will be meted out in His providence, and in the way that God has ordered all things to come to pass. Moses told the people of God, Be sure that your sins will find you out. Jesus would say the things that are even done in the secret will be shouted From the mountaintops. These are sobering things. These are things I don't enjoy thinking about or preaching about, but they are true, beloved. When man depicts justice, he depicts her as one holding the scales with a blindfold over her eyes. Beloved, it is not so with God. That is true with man's justice, but not with God's justice. God's eyes are wide open. With one eye it was as it were. Hallelujah. He views Calvary. And every sin of all the elect family of God. Was placed and judged upon Jesus Christ. And hallelujah. For God's justice has been served. And all our sins have been paid for. And we are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. But with the other eye is the open abyss of an eternal hell where all sin will be judged throughout all eternity to the praise of God's holiness and justice. His mercy and grace is served and His wrath and holiness is served and it shall come to pass. And even those of us that have been forgiven of sin, yet we also will bear a lot of the consequences for disobeying the law of God, even in our own lives. You remember King David. I'll remind you, his adultery and manslaughter, that God did forgive him for those terrible sins, but he bore the consequences, and his family did, in his life, even though that he was forgiven. I want you to know that God is long-suffering. God was very long-suffering with Israel and with Judah. But with them as a nation, it came to an end. Now, hallelujah... His long-suffering never ends with His people. Can I get an amen? If that that were not true, we wouldn't have much hope this morning. His mercies are everlasting. But when when it comes to dealing with nations, God is long-suffering, especially when He has a large remnant of His people in those nations. He suffers long with them, but even though God is long-suffering with nations, God is not blind. God knew everything that was going on in Israel and Judah. He saw it all. And He would in His heart have restored them. Just like Jesus, we hear Him. The patriotic Savior as He comes to Jerusalem the last time and He says, Oh, Jerusalem! Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but ye would not. Ye would not. Therefore, your house is left unto you, desolate. God is always going to judge sin. Let it be no mistake about it. Turn with me to another one of the prophets, the book of Amos. And the reason that I'm mentioning this is because of the seven-year famine that we read about in our story. You know, all of us in here barely even know what it's like to really be hungry. Now, I've been in countries where they know what it's like. They know what it's like to experience famine and not have uh, food, to maybe get one decent meal a day. We have a lot to praise God about, don't we? That we've never experienced anything like that uh, in in our lives. But I want you to turn to the book of Amos, and and let's go to chapter 2. Because you remember in the ministry of Elijah... Elisha's predecessor, there was also a famine. But that famine was just for three years. But it was terrible. But you see, Israel would not repent. They would not be restored to the Lord. And listen, there's no limit to the power and wrath of God's judgment among people. You know, we come to the place with our children even. You know, if if you have a disobedient and rebellious child... You know, they get old enough. You can't whoop them anymore. Uh, You can't tell them what to do. And you just say, well, I've done all that I can do. And you just have to turn them over to the Lord. Or turn them over to their own choices or consequences. And you pray for them. You still love them. You try to help them all that you can. But hallelujah, it's not so with God. God is never at the end of His wits. Or at the end of His resources. He said, okay, three-year famine wasn't strong enough will do a seven-year famine. God was judging their rebellion against Him. Look here in the book of Amos, chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. Thus saith the Lord, this is God talking, For three transgressions of Judah, and for four, I will not turn away the punishment thereof. Why? Just because God's a mean God? Just because God has a chip on His shoulder and and every time we knock it off, He wants to take revenge upon us. Hallelujah, no. God's not that way. But He's holy. I will not turn away the punishment thereof. Because they have despised the law of the Lord. And have not kept His commandments. And their lies causing there That's what Brother Dwight was talking about. That lies have replaced what used to be true. And the truth is now a lie. And people are buying it. People are lapping it up and it is destroying our land. And this is what had happened to Israel of old. And the lies caused them to err after the which their fathers have walked. But I will send a fire upon Judah and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Israel and for four. I will not turn away the punishment thereof. Because they sold the righteous for silver and the poor for a pair of shoes. You know God will endure a lot in a nation. But when a nation starts to lift up its hand against its people, that's it with God. That's it with God. God said, I've, for three and for four. He said, I've, patient, I've been long-suffering, but I'm not blind. And when you start to afflict and hurt my people and persecute my people, then, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wet my sword. I'm going to come to defend my people. Hallelujah. That He does. They pant after the dust of the earth on the head of the poor, and turn aside the way of the meek. And a man and his father will go into the same maid to profane my holy name. And they lay themselves down upon clothes laid to pledge by every altar, and they drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. So God says, look, I'm long-suffering, but I'm not blind. Now there's four great ways that God will judge a nation when He brings His wrath upon it. One is under consideration in our story: famine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! We've never known that. The second is the sword. The sword. I think our nation has endured a lot of that. Nine eleven. These endless wars that we've that we've been in. I think is a consequence of of us turning away from God. Pestilence. The COVID virus. What what more could we think about than you know, God allowed, uh, took his hedge down and allowed our land to uh, be severely smitten with that and tested by it. And then there is the, uh, God would use wild beasts, uh, he says, against, against a people. Go with me to the book of Ezekiel. And so these are all God's judgments against nations, especially nations who he has favored and blessed And He will bring it to pass upon them if they turn away from Him. And it doesn't matter the greatness of the men among them. Here in Ezekiel chapter 14, He mentions over and over again about what He says that He's going to bring to pass. And He says, even if Noah, Daniel, and Job had been men that were among them, He said, it wouldn't have changed the judgment that's going to come upon them, the sword. The famine, the beast, the pestilence. Beloved, know that the Lord can lay His rod heavy on the rebellious. And does often. Here in Ezekiel 14, beginning in verse 20. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. For thus saith the Lord God, how much more when I send my four swords' judgments... Upon Jerusalem, the sword, and the famine, and the noisome beast, and the pestilence to cut off from it man and beast. Yet behold, listen, therein shall be left a remnant that shall be brought forth, both sons and daughters. Behold, they shall come forth unto you, and ye shall see their way and their doings, and ye shall be comforted concerning the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem, even concerning all that I have brought upon it. And they shall comfort you when you see their ways and their doings, and ye shall know. That I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, saith the Lord God. Is that powerful to you today? Does that sober you up this morning? It does me as I read those words from the Lord. One thing, I don't know everything that's going to come to pass. I know Notre Dame, But I know one thing that's going to come to pass because the Bible's crystal clear and God's crystal clear. God is always going to judge sin always because he's holy because he's good if he didn't he would not be god he's never going to sweep it under the proverbial rug he hasn't forgotten any of it nobody is getting away or is going to get away with anything every scoffer every blasphemer is going to answer to god he'll see to it and here we read in our passage that God's rod was going to lay heavy upon the nation of Israel. Already a three-year famine, you would have thought that would have woke them up and returned and restored them to the Lord. But now he says that I'm going to bring a seven-year famine upon these people. And beloved, it wasn't El Nino that did it. It wasn't a climate change that did it. The Lord said, it is I that have done it, and it's not without cause that I've done it. But His purposes in it are restorative and redemptive. Hallelujah. As it always is in our lives too. Even His chastening and discipling of us as His children. It is to bring about the peaceable fruit of righteousness, and then that are exercised thereby to bring us back into harmony and fellowship and full uh, peace and uh, assurance with God. But God's always going to judge sin. And He is judging sin here with this terrible famine. I pray that our land will never know this type of starvation and, and hunger. We read about in the story before when the siege happened there, they were, they were what were they eating? They were eating donkey brains, uh, bird dung. And then they were even cannibalizing themselves, eating their own children. How terrible, how terrible condition. But we know there can even be a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. That's the most terrible famine of all when God removes His word. But, hallelujah, even in the midst of these terrible judgments, our second thought, our second point, One thing that's going to come to pass, not only is God always going to judge sin, but this is also always going to come to pass, God will always protect His people. Hallelujah. Even in the midst of this terrible famine, the Shunammite, who at one time was a woman, she said, I have everything. Now she becomes a woman that has nothing. Oh, the mysterious providence of God. Now God, you know, I kind of get in these futile debates with God about, why do you do things the way that you do? You know, God saves somebody from a terrible car wreck, and they make it out alive, and I'm like, well, God, couldn't you just have made it where they didn't have a wreck? Or he saved somebody from cancer, and I could be like, God, could you just made it where they didn't ever get cancer, or that there wasn't any cancer? Beloved, we must not judge God. We are not God's judge. God is our judge. His ways are high above our ways. And past finding out. So, God's going to send this famine in judgment. And He could have just made it where water just poured out where the Shunammite lived. And she could have stayed there with all of her family. And they could have been provided for. God didn't choose to do things that way. But He, but he sent her warning And he said her and her household could escape the fishes of this persecution by by going away. Now, by going away for seven years, all that that they had was going to be taken over by somebody else. Y'all remember the story of Ruth and Naomi? They lost everything and they they came back. And Naomi said, don't even call me Naomi. Don't call me blessed anymore. Call me Mara. For the Lord hath hath afflicted me, is basically what she said. "Hath, Hath dealt harshly with me. By the end of the story, she's called Naomi again, right? Because God will always protect His people. And we see God's love toward the Shunammite. But just know, beloved, as God brings things to pass in our life in His providence, as He is judging sin in the world, as He does uh, reveal His anger to the wicked every day, and we feel some of the effects and, and have to go through uh, some bad things. I think about Joshua and Caleb. How much that I love them when, when the rest of the nation was rebellious and didn't go into the land. They suffered with the people of God. Uh, those 40 years in the wilderness, even though they had been obedient. And they were still faithful to God. And God protected them. And even when they were old men, they went in and possessed the land. God brought it to pass. They weren't just lucky. They didn't have just good genes. God brought it to pass. And it came to pass. It just happened that the Shunammite was friends with God's prophet at the time. She was just a lucky woman. No. That was all in God's providence. And now, the love that she had shown to the prophet, and to the man of God, and to the word of God, and her faith in the God, God is returning into her life. Saving her and her family. And they go and even prepares a table for them in the presence of their enemies. You know the Philistines weren't the friends of the Israelites, right? We're all clear on that. Did y'all notice where she went and stayed and lived and was protected for seven years? Among the Philistines! David said, Lord, you prepare a table before me. Even in the presence of my enemy. God will always Protect His people. Didn't you love that first song that we sang? Sometimes it's in shady green pastures. So rich and so sweet. God leads us to your children along. That's true, isn't it? But then it's sometimes through the fire. Sometimes through the flood. It made me think of Isaiah 43. If you'll turn with me there and listen. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. This gives us great comfort as we see things turning in our nation, the majority of our land turning away from God, turning and embracing lies, turning and embracing evil, asking, begging for the judgment of God to come upon them. It saddens us. It sickens us. It frightens us, humanly speaking. But we can get comfort from the Word of God. But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Hallelujah. For I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. That says it all, doesn't it? That says it all. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Hallelujah, claim that promise for yourselves, for your loved ones, for the remnant, for the sons and daughters that God will save. Even as He brings His four terrible judgments upon every nation that forgets God, He says it will be turned into hell and sent as a reproach to any people. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I think about Noah in a day of great evil. When God smote the world with a deluge, He covered the earth with His wrath. He destroyed every living thing except Noah and the eight souls. And He was one of them. And every living thing that was in the ark, and it floated. And then God, as the waters abated, you'll read, it says, And it came to pass. That Noah and his family were saved and God restored the earth and restored every living thing. But God protected them. God will always protect His people. God will always protect you. That doesn't mean that sometimes you don't cry. It doesn't mean sometimes that you don't experience pain. It doesn't mean sometimes that God's people haven't been in prison. It doesn't mean that we don't get cancer. It do not mean that we don't get in car wrecks. But what it means is that God's always with us and will carry us through. Or He'll carry us home. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. It will come to pass. Is what I'm telling you. It'll come to pass. I think about the plagues that came against the Egyptians. That came against those that mistreated the people of God. That came against those who hardened their heart against God's message. Ten terrible plagues. The beasts came upon them the locusts the frogs the lice terrible plagues a famine a drought the death angel but there got the people in the land of Goshen no water turned to blood in Goshen no frogs jumped in the beds of the israelites no flies flew in and 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 uh, sickened their their food supply. No death angel came into any of the houses where the blood of the lamb was on the lintel and on the doorpost. Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah? I think about our sweet psalmist, King David, as he fled from his life and he hid in caves, and he hid in caves and even had also to dwell among the Philistines. How God kept him and preserved him and protected him. And it came to pass that he sat upon the throne that God promised him and it came to pass. He wasn't just lucky. It came to pass. Just as God had decreed that it would. And God protected him. Even till he was old and gray-headed. He showed his power to his generation and to everyone that was to come Because God decreed it. Because God ordained it. Nothing happens outside of the active will and permissive will of Almighty God. Even in all the free choices that He gives us, He's still sovereign over them. Their consequences and their mercies. And His will will be done in heaven and in earth. And none will stay His hand or say unto Him, What doest thou? Because it shall come to pass. I think about Daniel in the lion's den. Hated by his enemies. Persecuted by them. In captivity. Doing what was right. Praying every day. Reading. Writing the word of God. Encouraging the people of God that the captivity would end. And they would go back and be restored. For all that, their enemies hated him because he was a good man. And they threw him in the lion's den. But the lions would not eat him. They would not eat him. God shut the mouth of lions We've already talked about the three Hebrew children. we talked about Noah surviving all the waters and the flood. Now really, you know, you think that's just allegorical or metaphorical. Well, when you go through the fire, I'm going to be with you. Well, yeah, that's just hard times in our life. No, they literally walked through the fire. The three Hebrew children, because they wouldn't bow down. Like Brother Dwight said, where are our Hebrew children, Brother Dwight? Where's our Daniels? And our Shadrachs and Meshach and Abednego that says we won't bow down to this garbage no matter what happens to us. We need God to raise them up. Raise them up. God made a table in the presence of their enemy, Even the fiery furnace they weren't, they weren't burnt. Didn't even smell like smoke when they came out. Here the Shunammite is shown the love and protection of God for seven years. But then the seven years ended. God's wrath was satisfied in his judgment with the famine. And it ended. And she came back. It came to pass, verse 3, that she came back and all her land, everything that she had had, everything that was such a blessing to her in the early part of her story when she said, i got so much, I dwell among my own people, I don't need you to do anything for me. Well, now she needed everything. And that's the way it is in the providence of God in our lives. The Apostle Paul said, I've learned to be content in whatsoever state I find myself in, whether I'm in the prison or I'm in the palace. Third point, God will always use providential events to accomplish His will. There is no such thing as luck. Amen. None. It came to pass. Did y'all hear that in the story? She just happens to be friends with a man of God that can give her advice and save her whole family for seven years. That's not lucky. That's God's providence in her life. God's blessing in her life. All of us are experiencing that in our lives. If we'll open our eyes and realize it and see it, And praise God for it. Then when she comes back. And she finally gets an audience with the king. Gehazi. Do y'all remember Gehazi? The one that had been cast out by Elisha. Because he had been the wrong kind of servant. And he was plagued with leprosy. Here he is in the court of the king. And the king has just turned to Gehazi and said. It just so happened, (laughs) yeah, it just so happened, don't preach my sermon dad, it just so happened that as Gehazi, the forsaken servant, was telling the rebellious king about the great things that the man of God had done and the exact story of him restoring life to the Shunammite woman, she comes into his presence. Can somebody say hallelujah? God worked things out like that for you in your life. I know He has mine. Wow. It didn't just so happen. No, it it came to pass. Oh, the wonder-working providence of God. Solomon would put it this way. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. This is the wisest man outside of the Lord Jesus Christ being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write wisdom literature to us. So you need to highlight this in your Bible. You need to know this. Because sometimes it looks like we're just spinning out of control. It looks like that's, that chaos is ruling and that God has gone on a journey. But that is not true, beloved. Beloved. That is not true. Here in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says this to us in chapter 9, verse 11. I returned. I was restored. Same thing. And I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? Does that make sense to you, Carson? The race is not to the swift? Well, every race I've ever been in, Carson, the fastest person won But the Bible says, The wisest man that ever lived besides Jesus Christ said, I learned something that the race is not to the swift. You know, the fastest person can fall down in a race. It's happened. It's lost. He says, Nor the battle to the strong, Neither yet bread to the wise, Nor yet riches to men of understanding, Nor yet favor to men of skill. Well, All those things sound wrong, contradictory to human wisdom. But there's a wisdom that's from above, beloved, right? And he said, but time and chance, that just means occurrence, it's not look, that's not interpreted look. It means time and occurrence. He says, it happeneth to them all. You know how time and... An occurrence or chance happens to all according to God's decree. You know why you're as tall as you are? God decreed it. You know why you were born in America? God decreed it. Do you know why you're here today listening to this sermon? God decreed it. Because it will come to pass. As He said. The question is, will we trust His mysterious ways? And will we live by faith? The just shall live by what faith. Now let me tell you, that faith's going to be tested, but God's going to see to it that we live that way. And that's why Solomon says in another place in Ecclesiastes that God has hidden those things for His own glory, so that we would learn to trust Him and just obey Him. In First Kings chapter twenty-two, 30, verse thirty-four. It says that a man just drew a bow on a venture. It was just a, was just a crowd. He had his last arrow. He said, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm emptying my gun. And he just drew the last one. There was just a big crowd. Probably closed his eyes and let her fly. You know, Does anybody know what happened to that arrow? Dead center in the heart. Of the king of Israel, just an era drawn on a venture, just happened, brother Kevin. He just got a lucky shot in. No, brother, it came to pass. It came to pass. Oh, beloved, can we see in our day and in our time and in our lives all the providential events and ways? That God is using and has used to accomplish His will. Can you glorify God with me today? Say in your heart, it shall come to pass. Yeah. So, she comes back. And our fourth and last point as we close today. God will always restore what the devil has tried to destroy. I'm so glad to tell you that. God will always restore... What the devil has tried to destroy. He restores sight to the blind. Can I get an amen? Did he do that? Did he restore the dead to life? Did he restore dignity to the downtrodden, to those that had none? He said, I'll even restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. We serve a God of restoration. Lord, Lord, please restore all that is ours in your time. Bring it to pass. And you notice how powerfully God did that in the story? Her son had been restored to life, but now she couldn't even provide for that life that had been restored. But she comes to the king that... Probably the land was forfeited to him. Probably. It probably went to the crown. And so she goes there, and there just happens to be Gehazi there, and she happens to come at the same time and as Gehazi's telling the story. He said, Well, king, as a matter of fact, here's the woman, and here's her son that was restored to life. And the king said, Is that true? And even that, a wicked, evil king. He had to just be awed had the providence and power of God. And God moved in that old king's heart and He said, restore everything to her. Not only restore everything that was her and her land and her house. Did y'all catch what it said? How full the restoration was? This is amazing to me. He said, not only are you going to restore her house and her lands and all that's hers, she's getting back pay." He said, restore all that would have been produced in those seven years that she wasn't in possession of what was rightfully hers. Can y'all say hallelujah to that? Now that's a God, isn't it? And it came to pass. So we think about our nation. We think about some of the broken places in our lives. the, The breaches some of the dreams that we've seen burn to the ground can you trust god for them and with them can you just would you just say well i was just unlucky i wasn't a good planner you know the devil he's just too strong sometimes be zealously patient be zealously patient it shall come to pass and God's providence and God's time, all for His glory and all the blessings to be ours. Peter said to Jesus one time, Lord, we've left all to follow You. We've left our family. we left our homes. We've left our occupations. Jesus said, I'll make a promise to you, Peter. Everybody that's willing to do that, I'm going to restore it a hundredfold. You believe that by faith? That it shall come to pass. One time they needed to pay their taxes. They didn't have any money. Jesus told Peter to go fish. The fish he caught had money in his mouth <laughs> that he used to go pay his taxes and had money left over. You go, go tell me about luck and about chance there. Oh no. Jeremiah chapter 30. Listen to your God. Be glad that That you serve a God like this as we close. Verse 17 of Jeremiah 30. For I will restore health unto thee. And I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Because they called thee an outcast, saying, This is Zion, whom no man seeketh after. He is the restore, the repair of the breaches. Let us all continually look to the God of providence, to a God who restores and recovers all that that was lost to us, all that the devil tried to destroy, believe in the promises of God and it shall come to pass.